I have a question. Are you mowing in the dark? Welcome back to the Mowing in the Dark podcast. I am your host, Aaron Sutter. Thank you for tuning in to another Faith Friday episode. Guys, thank you so much for returning for another episode. I am so glad that you're here. Today has nothing to do with lawn care, lawn business, nothing. Fridays on this podcast are basically digging into the Word of God and attempting to bring something out and and share it with you all. So uh, the way we do this today is I take a book of the Bible and I read a chapter. Now, uh, this particular one, Romans chapter 8, uh, it's one of the best chapters in the entire Bible, but it's kind of long, and so I've actually split it in two. So if you haven't listened to Romans chapter 8, the first part, you can go back to last Friday or the Friday before, really, because I was sick and all that stuff. So <laughs> I wasn't able to put one out last last week, Friday. But if you go back to the last Faith Friday episode, you will be able to hear the Romans chapter 8, 1 through 17, and you will uh, kind of get caught up, shall we say, to where we are now. Uh, going into Romans chapter 8, 18, verse 18 through the end of the chapter, which is uh, verse 39. So we are going to jump into that today. Now, before I go any further, I always say and will continue to say, because I don't want anyone to be confused, I am not a Bible scholar. I do don't have a degree in Bible. I don't have anything like that. I've never been formally trained in Bible stuff. I'm not a preacher. I'm not. No, I'm nobody. All right. I just really enjoy reading the Word of God, and I enjoy uh, trying to bring out some things uh, that are in the Scripture. Now, I don't talk a whole lot from my own personal perspective. I mean, I. I I guess I do in a way, but what I what we do here is we read the the entire section of verses and then I go back and we go through verse by verse and kind of try to break it down a little bit, try to understand what Paul is saying a little bit better. In this case, Paul, um, he is the author of the book of Romans. And so uh, just try to bring some things out that, that uh, might not be totally recognizable there. So if that sounds like something that you're interested in, stick around. We're going to do that right now. So you'll have to bear with me here. Uh, I've got a cold, as you can hear, and it's been a couple of weeks since I've had this cold. Uh, I did have COVID, and now it's just turned into this head cold thing, and it's really bothersome sometimes. So I go into coughing fits and things like that. So I apologize if there's some breaks in here that aren't accounted for or whatever. Uh, just know that I'm I'm battling this, this head cold that I've got. And so we're just going to struggle through it today because 
these Faith Friday episodes are the most popular episodes on the podcast, and so I don't want to skip over them. I don't want to push those to the side because you guys seem to really like these. So without any further ado, let's jump into Romans chapter 8, verse 18 through 39, I believe it was. Here we go. And if you are at home uh, and you're not out working, listening to this while you're working, uh, grab your Bible and read along with us. I'm reading out of the NASB. Um, Now, granted, I'm reading off of a computer screen because I can make the words really big and I can read it a lot better without having to squint and try to focus in on small print in my Bible. So that's the way we're doing it here today. But follow along if you're just at home listening in. If you're out working, just listen. Let the the words kind of wash over you and, uh, and really think about them. All right, let's go. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. And not only this, but also we ourselves have the, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groaning within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance we wait eagerly for it. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Holy Spirit, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, and He who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because He intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather, who was raised, 
who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all of these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor death nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that ends the scripture reading of Romans 8, 18 through 39. All right, so I have actually had to move positions here. So my boys woke up and I, to not be distracted and to not have all their noise, I actually had to move out to the camper, if you believe that. So (laughs) it's been about 45 minutes since I finished reading. (laughs) But let's continue here. Let's go back to verse 18 in Romans and we will continue from there. We'll go verse by verse. Verse 18, for what I consider that the suffering, whoops, I'm sorry, for I consider that the suffering of this present time, I'm sorry, let me go back again. See, words words matter in the Bible, and especially with Paul, because if you leave something out, things don't seem to make sense. And Paul can get very wordy and tongue twisty. So, and this passage in particular is one of those tongue twisty kind of passages. So let me go back and let's get it right here. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So, Earlier on in verse 17 and a little bit earlier than that, Paul was talking about suffering. And um, so he's just concluding that thought here in the next verse or the next section, which so he's just saying the sufferings at this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory of God. They're, They're not They're There's rubbish. All right, verse 19, for the anxious longing of the creation awaits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. So he's saying that creation is waiting. All of creation, not just humans, all of creation is waiting for God to reveal himself to us. And uh, he's also, we're also waiting to be revealed as sons of God. So we we are adopted as sons of God, but that adoption is not complete. That's what my commentary kind of worded it as, and it made a lot of sense to me that we the process has begun of adoption, but it's not complete until we get to heaven, until we get our new bodies. All right, verse 20. For the creation was subjected to the futility, not willingly, 
I'm sorry, let me go back. I added a word in there and it doesn't make sense if I add a word in. Verse 20, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself, verse 21, that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. So what Paul is saying here in verse 20 and verse 21 is that creation, because of the first Adam, was um, subjected to futility or was subjected to now death because of the sins of the first Adam. And it wasn't willingly that that creation was that way, but it was because of him. He Sin entered into the world through that one Adam, through the one man. So now in hope, we and all of creation itself will be set free from the slavery of sin when the glory of God is revealed. And so that's when Jesus comes back. That's what verses 20 and 21 are saying here. Verse 22 For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. So when Adam sinned, as we have read in the creation story, or hopefully you've read the creation story, that when Adam sinned, there was pain now in childbirth. And so what Paul Paul is kind of connecting the dots here. From the very beginning till now, when this is being written, that all, uh, we have been living in sin. We've had to live in sin because of the sins of the first man. And now we are eagerly waiting the revealing of Jesus Christ when we will no longer have the, the burden of sin. All right, let me read that again one more time. Make sure that I brought everything out of that that I that I know too. Verse 22, for we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. Yes, so that, that's what it's saying. Let's move on to verse 23. It gives a little bit more light. Verse 23, and not only this, so not only childbirth or the pains of childbirth, not only this, but also we ourselves have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. So uh, it's not only women that are groaning in childbirth or in labor pains, whether we know it or not whether we are believers in Christ or not, our bodies are groaning within us to be back into that perfection, that perfect state that we were created in. So whether we know it or not, we feel that, that death because we are surrounded by it. Every day, our bodies die a little bit more. And so we feel it and we groan inside of ourselves, whether we recognize it or not. 
and we eagerly await the finality of the adoption as sons or daughters. Now, the Bible, when it says sons, it means all men. That's what it means. So it includes everyone. It's not, it's not exclusionary to, to men and women. It, it, that's just the way they wrote when the Bible was written. So they, that's how they, they said it. So I'm not going to go here or there. I can just explain it to you. I'm not going to change the word of God uh, like the NIV did when they redid it recently um, to include uh, they changed it to say like men and women or whatever. It, it just doesn't, it doesn't flow right. And uh, it kind of bothers me. So anyway, it's neat. That has nothing to do with this. Okay. So verse 23 again, and not only this, but also we ourselves have the first fruits of the spirit. Even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of of our body. So our bodies will be renewed when Jesus Christ comes again. And so that is, that's more hope that we have. And Paul goes on to talk about more hope here. Verse 24, for in hope we have been saved, but hope that is, that is seen is not hope. So if we haven't seen the revealing of Jesus Christ yet. We are hoping that he is coming again, but we haven't seen that yet. We have been told that he's going to come again, but we, we can't see that yet. For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what he already sees. You can't really hope for what you've already seen. I I completely understand the question there. You can't hope for something you already have, is what he's kind of saying. Verse 25, but if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. So we are sitting, we are lying in waiting right now. We are, we are a lady in waiting or a bride in waiting, uh, waiting for, for Christ, for Jesus Christ to reveal himself at the second coming. And I think that's what Paul is saying there. Verse 26, in the same way, the spirit also helps our weakness for we do not know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So sometimes uh, the charismatic church sometimes, you know, uses this to speak for the, the, uh, for proof that we are to pray in tongues. And I don't really agree with that, but it's neither here nor there. Uh, I don't pray in tongues. I've never spoken in tongues. Uh, I mean, I've learned some some other languages, not not great. I know a few words and a couple other languages, but uh, uh, that's what I think tongues is. But this is different. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. So we are we are weak. We 
we tend to fall away because we lose we lose that hope for we do not know how to pray as we should we have again we were feeble we don't know exactly how to pray uh in order to keep that hope alive for Jesus second coming but the spirit himself intercedes for us so the holy spirit himself prays for us with groanings too deep for words so that is how much the spirit longs for us to to remain in the faith he is groaning deeper than words words cannot express the the depth of prayer that the spirit is interceding with us for verse 27 and he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of god so the spirit is interceding for us according to the will of god and we're going to keep going on here because Paul kind of, con- it's, especially in Romans, Paul takes a long time to connect all the dots in between, in, in the verses of each chapter. And so it, sometimes it doesn't do us any good for me to try to expound on something that's been said because Paul is connecting the dots as he goes down. And so we're, we're going to continue on with that. So let's see here. Where was I? Uh, for the will of God. Okay. Verse 28. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. So a lot of times with this verse, this is one of the most popular verses in the Bible. People love to quote this verse, you know, God works all things together for the good. Okay, but that's not what it says here. It says, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. All right, so what does that mean? God causes all things to work together for good For those who genuinely love God, first of all, and those who are called according to his purpose. So if if God hasn't called you, he's not working all things together for good. But if he has called you and you love God, and you have said you you have said that i believe that jesus christ rose from the dead that that he uh, ascended to the right hand of the father you know all this all all the stuff you have chosen to follow follow jesus god causes all things to work together for good does that mean that we're not going to suffer absolutely not does that mean that we may we won't be martyred for our faith? Absolutely not. God works all things together for good according to his 
purpose, his purpose, not your purpose, his purpose. His purpose is to reach more lost people. His purpose is to have you in heaven. So if you're martyred, you die, you go to heaven if you believe in Jesus. But if you're not, if you don't love God, if you have not been called, then then no, he he's not working all things together. You're kind of floating out there by yourself. Verse 29, for those whom he foreknew, so he, he already knew you, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. Okay, so uh, for those whom he foreknew, so he knew you before you were born, all right? Then it also says here, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. So does that mean that God has already chosen who is going to be saved and who is not going to be saved? I don't know. The word predestined would seem to say yes. However, God knows everything that is ever going to happen. And he knows everything that has happened. So God knows the future and God knows the past. So is it predestined? Maybe it it certainly could be. That's what the Bible says here, that we were already chosen to become conformed to his, to the image of his son, Jesus. So sometimes we get we get wrapped up in that predestined word and we just have to think a little differently about it that God knows the future already. So if you're going to become a son of God, then he already knew that before you were born. He didn't necessarily choose that for you, but he already knows it's going to happen. Do you see what I'm saying there? We have the free will to choose him, but he already knows that it's going to happen. So this is where it gets kind of confusing, but at the same time, it's very comforting because he already knows if we're going to become sons of God or not. And so if we are sons of God, we need to be continually seeking him. And if we're not yet sons of God, we need to seek him. All right, uh, let's keep going here. Uh, firstborn among many brethren. Verse 30, and these whom he predestined, there's that predestined word again, he also called. So if he predestined you, he also called. So we're hearkening back to verse 28, where it said, uh, called according to his purpose. So Verse 30 again, and these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. That means we are, we stand just before him. We, he sees us as no longer sinful. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. So we will, we will have the glory of God. 
we will be in glory with him. This is why Romans chapter 8 is considered one of the best chapters of the entire Bible, because Paul goes through and is telling us that if we are chosen by God and if we choose God, we will be justified. We will be seen as sinless before God, and we will inherit his glory. We are sons of God. We are adopted in. Verse 31, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? This is another verse that kind of gets taken out of context a little bit. All right. What then shall we say to these things? These things of, of work called according to his purpose, to those who love God, those whom he foreknew, he predestined, all that those things. That's what Paul is talking about here. What shall we say about to these things? Okay, those things that we just talked about. If God is for us, who can be against us? So if you are with God, then you are with God. And he will protect you from all who are against you. Does that mean that, again, you won't be martyred? No, that does not mean that. Does it mean that God will keep you from suffering? Absolutely not. Look at Paul. Paul suffered his entire life after he became a Christian, after he chose to follow God, after he was called according to God's purpose. He suffered the entire time. So if God is for us, who can be against us? Because we have, we have the hope of glory. That's what we have. Whether we die or whether we don't die, nobody can be against us because either way we win. All right. Verse 32, he who did not spare his own son we're talking about God now. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? So what this verse is talking about here is that God gave Jesus over to the Romans to be crucified for all of us, everyone's sin. Does that mean that everyone is going to be in heaven? No. No, it doesn't, because not everyone chooses to love God. Not everyone is called according to his purpose. But we can choose him. We have that free will. God did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for all of us. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? Now, does this mean that we are going to be rich beyond our wildest imaginations here on earth? No. It does mean that we will be rich beyond our wild imaginations with him in heaven. That is what it means. It's not saying that we are going to be wealthy beyond all imagination here on earth. Some of us might be. Some of us might be, that might be his purpose for us, for some of us. For others, it might be for us to suffer and to die 
for him. That might be some of our purposes. It's up to him. It's not up to us. Verse 33, who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. So if we are, if we love God, we are called according to his purpose. We are God's elect. So who will bring a charge against God's elect? Well, we know that Satan will. Satan does. But it is God. God is the one who justifies. He is the one who says, I see you as sinless. He justifies. Verse 34, who is the one who condemns? Again, Satan is the one who condemns. Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather, who was raised from the, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. What is this saying? It's saying that Jesus Christ is not the one who's condemning us. It is Satan who is condemning us. Jesus Christ died for us. He was raised for us. He is seated at the right hand of God and he intercedes for us. Now, does that mean that that this life is all about us? Absolutely not. It is about Jesus. But he did these things for us. All right? This is not to be something that is self-centered and self-serving. It is something to for us to see and say, "Thank you. I want to serve you." because you did this for me. I want to do more for you. It is not a self-serving thing here. All right. Verse 35, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Who, who will let's keep going. Will tribulation or distress? What is tribulation? By the way, tribulation is, it's like, it's, uh, it's chaos. It's, it's, bad things. Tribulation is like suffering. All right. Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Well, he's asking, will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, which means death? 36, just as it is written, For your sake, we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered, or as sheep to be slaughtered. Verse 37. Well, let's let's talk about that a little bit. So this is, I forget where this quote is from, uh, but I I think it is from, uh, I think it's from Psalms. Uh, I think it's a quote from David, but don't quote me on that. But the thing is, is that this is, this is what Christians should be expecting. If you, if you are in Christ, whether you live here in America or you live in another country, this is what you can expect. For your sake, God's sake, we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. 
That's what we have to look forward to. And he's, he's hearkening back again because he was talking about who will separate us from the love of Christ. Death, what he's saying here is even death cannot separate us from the love of Christ. 37, but in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. All right, this verse also gets taken out of context. All these things work together for good. Now, I don't know if that's this verse or not, uh, because I I normally use the NIV translation. And so uh, the NASB is, um, it's a little new to me. And so I'm not sure if that's what this is saying here or not, but, or I don't know if that's the verse that this is saying here, that we are more than conquerors, but we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. But in all these things, in death, in tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword, death, uh, we are overwhelmingly conquering through him who loved us, through Jesus Christ who loved us. Verse 38, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, or, or demons, as that would be, nor uh, things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is nothing that if you have chosen to follow Jesus Christ. You've put your faith in him. He has called you according to his purpose. There is nothing that will separate you from the love of Christ. Does that mean that we should go out and just live our lives any way we want to? We can sleep with as many people as we want to. We can do whatever we want to hard drugs, uh, all sorts of stuff. No, that is not what it's saying. Because in, in my opinion, and this is just my opinion, if you're doing those things, if you are going out there and you have this desire to sin and to not remove yourself from that sin, then you are probably not in Christ. If you have a desire to honor Christ and to live for him, to live your life for him and to do everything that you can to become like him, then I believe you are in Christ. But if you're just going out and just because of this verse, well, nothing can separate me from the love of God. So I'm just going to go live however I want. That shows me that you're not in Christ. Because a follower of Christ does not have that attitude. A follower of Christ has the attitude of, I want to serve him because he died for me. I want to live my life as best as I can because he died for me. I want to serve him. I want to do whatever I can for him. 
not for myself doing the drugs and all the sex and all the everything that's self-serving and that's the thing now i'm not saying that we can't fall into those things and that we don't sin i'm not saying that i'm saying that we strive daily to live for him because he died for us all right guys that ends today's faith friday episode um i want to ask you guys and i know i don't get a lot of feedback from you all that are listening there's a lot of you that listen but i never get any feedback from you all so i would really appreciate some feedback all right especially on what i'm going to say i am considering starting a book club with the faith friday episode now that doesn't mean that I'm going to sit here and read a book to you or whatever, or that we're going to even sit down and discuss it. What I'm talking about with a book club is suggest having a book that I suggest like once a month or something like that, that would be really good to read. That's biblically sound, that is doctrinally sound, and that is really helpful in life. And so some, you know, books that I have read that I've really enjoyed, things like that. If that's something that you're interested in, if you would let me know that by either emailing me at lansinglawnservice at gmail.com or by sending me a message on Facebook or on Instagram, if you would just let me know if that would be helpful to you, giving you a book recommendation, say once a month or once a week or whatever, uh, I would love to do that. And maybe I'll do it anyway, because there are so many great books out there and there are so many really terrible books out there. Um, when I think of terrible books, I think of Joel Osteen books. I think of Joyce Meyer books they take the Bible out of context in a lot of ways. I'm sure they have some really good stuff in them, but it's mostly like self-help. It's like Christianese for self-help. And that is not what the Christian life is about. Like I just, like we just discussed, it's about serving God, not serving ourselves. Our, our sanctification comes through reading the word. It doesn't come through reading self-help books. All right. The Bible is the only self-help book we need. All right. So there's a lot of other great books out there, books by C.S. Lewis, by, oh my gosh, so many, um, John MacArthur, John Stott, so many books. <clears throat> so I think I will add a book recommendation to every episode just to help you guys uh, grow in your faith, books that will help you grow in your faith. So let me do one right now. Most of these are going to come from Audible because uh, Audible is where I listen to most of my books. And so I'm going to give you a really good book that has helped me out a lot in my faith. And the book title is I'm just going to start with John MacArthur. Um, some people might not like John MacArthur. Some people might. Uh, let me see. Where is it? 
Da, 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 da. It was a really good book that I listened to. And now I can't find it. Ah, here we go. Strange Fire by John MacArthur. I will put the link in the description notes below. Uh, that will be an Amazon link. If you purchase that book, um, you can, you know, I'll get a small kickback from that. But that book really opened my eyes to to uh, some things that the church as a whole are doing that aren't great. And so uh, I would recommend that book. And then next week I will have a an even better book for you guys. This was just off the cuff. Uh, but Strange Fire by John MacArthur is a great book. Uh, it was a great listen. And so um, I will leave a link. I will probably try to leave a link to the Audible book down in the description so you guys can pick that up if you'd like uh when we're out mowing if you own a lawn care business i call mowing and listening to audiobooks i can i call that lawn care university because you just have so much time that you can dedicate to just listening to books and educating yourself and so i would really encourage you guys to get audible it's not that expensive. It's like $14.95 a month or something like that. You get one free book a month. You can purchase books if you want. Uh, so you get a credit and you can get a book a month with that one credit. So I would really encourage you to do that. It is great. All right. I don't have an affiliate link for Audible or anything like that, but I would really encourage you to, to download the Audible app and start listening to audio audiobooks because it is really good. It's good for your mind. It's good for your spirit. It just keeps your mind engaged while you're out there doing mindless work. All right. So Strange Fire by John MacArthur. That's this week's book. You can uh, listen to that if you would like. And um, next week I will have more of a theologically based. I mean, Strange Fire is also theologically based, but I will give you a little bit more broader theologically based book next week. Uh, probably something by C.S. Lewis. And uh, I, I love Lewis's books, so uh, we'll probably go that way next week. So thanks for listening, guys. I really hope that you got something out of this today. Uh, it was a rough one for me simply because my kids woke up and then I had to shift places and my mind got all over the place. But uh, I really, I hope that you get something out of these Faith Friday episodes. It seems like you do because the listens just keep going up and up and up and up. So I, I really hope that it's blessing your life. I'm, I'm hoping that it's helping you to, to have a desire to dig into the word and to learn for yourself and to read for yourself. Uh, because like I said before, we are sanctified through the reading of the word, not just reading of the word, but that is a great way that we, that God is sanctifying us is if we are in that word every single day. So I thanks. Thank you for listening guys. And I will see you in the next faith Friday episode.